Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Tough Take Podcast. I'm Luca DeLosta. And I'm Zach Green. In today's episode, we will preview the Saints vs. Bills NFL game, give our take on some NFL teams that could make a playoff push, talk about Italy's World Cup qualification situation, recap the USA vs. Mexico game, talk about some athletes who put their career in jeopardy, and talk about some of the most recent NBA power rankings, and then close with a few strange arena and stadium names. Let's get into it. Now let's start with the Saints vs. Bills game on Thanksgiving Day. My first question is, how can Trevor Simeon play a key role in this game? Well, I think it's really crucial that Alvin Kamara plays, as we don't know the status of him right now. Trevor Simeon, with, of course, Michael Thomas now being out for the season, he really needs to improvise because their receivers aren't the most lethal. He needs to make big plays to put his team in position to play a safe, clock-controlling game. Yeah, I think he needs to play almost like Mike White did in his first game. Just play simple. Don't take anything deep. Play checkdowns. And again, Alvin Kamara being a big factor. He's a big player out of the backfield. You're right, because as you said, playing checkdowns, Mike White had like 3.3 yards per attempt in the air in his first start versus the Bengals. So I think if Trevor Simeon plays a similar game, with or without Alvin Kamara, they can have a chance of winning. And Trevor Simeon off to a slow start this season with 920 pass yards on only a 56 completion percentage and 7 TDs. However, he does have 8 interceptions. Now, how does not having that Michael Thomas or star receiver really impact this? Well, that star receiver can give you that big play factor. You know, the safety over the top, the extra help on the cornerback and man. You have to think about how that impacts because that makes them one-dimensional in a way. You know what they're going to do. So if they, if the Bills can really play a strong defensive game, the Saints are probably going to come out flat and not do so well. And then it's not that Trevor Simeon is not getting the time because their offensive line is playing really well, only giving up 17 sacks this season. They're going against a Bills team that has not gotten to the QB as much. Yeah, but what the Bills defense does a lot, which is really good, they get a lot of turnovers. They get, I think, 15 interceptions so far. So when they can do that and generate the pressure, that makes the Saints really one-dimensional. And now, so we know what the Saints need to do offensively, but how about defensively? What should they be doing? Well, I think they should really start to get Cameron Jordan activated more because he has had a very slow start to the season. And so for Marshawn Lattimore, he really needs to get, make some big plays. So if, I think these two can come together. I think they can make a strong defensive push. And it'll be interesting to see this Marshawn Lattimore versus Stephon Diggs matchup because last time Marshawn Lattimore went against a big receiver like DK Metcalf, he struggled a little. Yeah, I think Stephon Diggs will do pretty good against him. Stephon Diggs has been slow in the at the start of the season, but he's really got it in the past couple games, so I think that'll really help. But what you also have to take into account is how mobile Josh Allen is. He's second in his team's rush yards list, so... When you think about that, how mobile he is and how deadly of a pocket passer he is, you really have to game plan around that. But this Saints defense is giving up third lowest pass yards with only giving up 2,146 pass yards. Yeah, that's really good. But what the Saints really have to do is think about the big plays the Bills get. They have Dawson Knox, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, and like we said, Stephon Diggs. All four of those people can make big plays. And now let's switch over to the Bills' side of the ball here. What should they be looking to do offensively against this strong Saints defense? 
I think the key is to not only rush it four times. When they played the Colts, they only had four rushing attempts in that blowout loss. So I think if they really try to get the rushing game going, it won't be one-dimensional for the offense. And how can Josh Allen spread out this Saints defense to help him get offensive rhythm? Well, when Josh Allen spreads it out, you have so many weapons that you can throw to. Dawson Knox has five touchdowns, Stephon Diggs with six. You can really start to open it up. And, you know, easy checkdowns, easy yards. So when you look about, you know, all these big plays that Stephon Diggs has, you have to look about who sets it up because when you have Cole Beasley, who's still pretty good, Emmanuel Sanders, who's a great second option, you have a lot of options on the offense, and that's something that the Saints should be worried about. And especially with Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders being those deep threat guys who allow Stephon Diggs to really open up and get his playmaking ability to the spotlight. Yeah, another thing I want to talk about, in the four games Dawson Knox has touchdowns, they've won. So I think that's, in the past, I think two or three games, he doesn't have touchdowns. So I think if they can get him involved, I think they have a good shot at winning. So their offense will be definitely looking to get back on the winning side. And how about their defense? Well, their defense is only averaging 17.6 points per game. But you didn't really see that in the past weeks. But but the side of the defense they should be improving on is the run defense. They've allowed 101.9 rush yards per game on 4.1 yards per carry, with opponents having a combined 11 rushing touchdowns. So when you look at that in their passing defense, with the passing defense only allowing 5.4 yards per attempt, 9.3 yards per completion with a 57.7 completion percentage, which is kind of near what Trevor Simeon's completion percentage is, and only allowing 7 touchdowns, but as a team having 15 interceptions. Now, Luca, how do you think that the Bills can create more pressure with the sacks? That is definitely a category they are looking to improve on as they are the 7th worst with sacks this year with 19 team sacks. And only having their leading sack leaders being Greg Rousseau and Mario Addison only having three sacks. So definitely putting Trevor Simeon, a quarterback who doesn't get that experience under pressure, would definitely be a key part in this game. Yeah, and when you look at 19 sacks, some people might say, well, that's a, that's a lot of sacks. But when you look at the number one leader with the Bears, they have 31. So that is a significant difference. All right, so let's move on to some NFL teams that can make a deep playoff push. Let's start with the AFC West with the Denver Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders. Yeah, that division this year is shaping up to be a very competitive division going into these final weeks. You have the Broncos, who started off well, but have been playing poorly. The Chargers are coming off a big win, but as you and I have talked about, they haven't been consistent. And how about the Raiders? Well, the Raiders just got blown out by the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm thinking about, I think the Chiefs are going to win this division after their slow start. So I think the Raiders could come in third, maybe fourth in this division. But they will need to win a lot of games and prove. Because they still have a lot of divisional games left. So they need to win those games. And like we said, the Chargers, you know, they they play great games. They had a great game versus the Browns. They won. And then a couple of weeks later, they come out and put up, I think, six points versus the Baltimore Ravens, which you can't do in a conference game. And how about the Colts of the AFC South and Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, the Colts are one of the hottest teams in the NFL. When you look at, they should have won the game versus the Ravens. They should have closed that out. And when you look at Jonathan Taylor, five touchdowns versus the Bills. So when you look at, I think the Colts will win it. 
we'll go. Well, what about the AFC North with the Browns, Bengals, and Ravens? Obviously, this division is, my opinion, the com- most competitive division with all teams being above 500 and being within one and one and a half games of each other. So going into these final games, especially the Ravens where their back half of the schedule is almost all divisional games, it'll be interesting. You're completely right because the Bengals already beat the Ravens. They already beat the Steelers. And you look at the Browns, they came in Cincinnati and gave the Bengals a big loss. So I think this division could be wide open. Well, it depends after these next couple of weeks. This coming Sunday is a big divisional matchup. Bengals, Steelers, Browns, Ravens. First time they played each other. So I think this will be a great test this week. Yeah, and then... How about the NFC North and the Vikings after coming off a big win against the Packers? Yeah, I think that really helped them with the morale and getting momentum into this final stretch. The Vikings are a very good team. I think they're better than the record shows. They should have won games like they should have beat the Bengals. They should have beat the Cardinals, but they didn't. But you never know what could happen. Aaron Rodgers could catch on fire. The Vikings could catch on fire. Some divisions are wide open this year. And then the NFC South I'm also seeing is wide open this season. Yeah, you have the Panthers, you have the Bucks, you have the Falcons, and you have the Saints. Three of those teams are very close to one another. I think the Panthers could make a push out of all three of those teams. I think they're the biggest candidate to make a push. I think the Falcons desperately need Calvin Ridley back as he is dealing with some issues. And then the Saints, this will be a big test for them this week. They need to win these last couple games. Definitely. All right, let's move on to Italy's World Cup situation. Yeah, Italy being in the same situation as last time they tried to qualify for the World Cup, in which they didn't, being pushed into a playoff spot. Yeah, Italy is going to the playoffs for the World Cup qualifying for the second time in a row. Last time Italy was in this position, they fell to Sweden and didn't qualify for the 2018 World Cup, one of Italy's darkest moments. Luca, what does this mean for head coach Mancini's job? Honestly, I think... I was talking with my dad about this. I think this is going to make or break Mancini's job as head coach of the Italian men's soccer national team. Because if they don't qualify for the World Cup again, a soccer powerhouse, it just looks bad. How are Giorgino's missed penalties so crucial? Yeah, penalties, in my eyes, they're free goals. You're 12 yards from the goal, you got to put them away. Italy tied with Switzerland, who actually got passed and directly qualified for the World Cup, won one in their first game in which Jorginho missed a penalty, and then in the second game, they tied 0-0, and he missed a penalty in the 90th minute. You're right about that. Do you think Italy will get through the playoffs and qualify for the World Cup? Now, I am optimistic about Italy qualifying as head coach Mancini is, but it all comes down to who they get drawn against, and the drawing actually happens three days from now when we're recording this on November 26th. Yeah, that'll be a big anticipated thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued about who they're going to get drawn against. Now let's move over into another soccer game, the USA versus Mexico game. Yes, the USA men's national team finally looking good, and my hopes are high for this team just as uh, many other Americans. But Zach, why was this win so significant for the U.S.? Well, this is the third time the U.S. beat Mexico, making it the first time the U.S. has beaten Mexico and three times in the calendar year. Yeah, that's huge. And now the U.S. is 5-1-1 in World Cup qualifying, 
versus Mexico since the 1998 World Cup cycle. So they've had great success against Mexico as of lately. Why was the U.S. so dominant in this game? They were dominant the second half. First half, they looked a little shaky, giving up a couple high-scoring chances to Mexico. But second half, they locked it down. Goals coming from Christian Pulisic on his first touch and Weston McKenney. I mean, who else would score for the U.S.? The two star players. Now, I know many Americans' hopes are high about this team, but are your hopes high, Luca? I mean, you heard it from me first a couple minutes ago. Yeah, my hopes are high, but what really pushes my hopes to be high is we're seeing a very young group of players play very well, and that means that in future years, the more these guys play together, only the better they'll get. One more here. Do you think it was deserving that Timothy Weah won the man of the match? Yes, I think it was very deserving that he won man of the match. He recorded an assist to Pulisic's goal, and he was very dominant the entire game down that right side, torching Mexico's left side of the field. But so yeah, I think it was very deserving, and it's good to see him emerging, and not just Pulisic, McKenney, Zach Steffen, and their star players. And with that, let's switch over to a couple athletes who have put their careers in jeopardy as of lately. Yeah, so the most recent one being Henry Ruggs. The Las Vegas Raider was released on November 2nd at 3.39 p.m. after his Corvette was going 156 miles per hour and hit another vehicle, which then resulted in him killing 23-year-old Tina Tintor along with her golden retriever. Yeah, it... It's a tough situation. Obviously, it was terrible on his half to sit in that car under the influence and drive. But it just sucks to see such young players ruin their career. And I feel like that's like the Raiders have been just a team that's trouble has just stirred up this season. Yeah, Henry Ruggs is facing 46 years in prison on four counts of felony charges. But what really upsets me is he was under the influence of alcohol, of course. After posting videos of him at Top Golf hours before with in, with friends at enjoying themselves, it's just really careless of him, and he wasn't you know he wasn't thinking of what he was doing. And that's the thing. That's why people don't think when they're under the influence and they cause them to do dumb stuff. He had such a bright future, and he just threw it in the trash. There was other Las Vegas Raiders also released, like Damon Arnett, after posting a threatening video online, and. That Raiders team, like you said, is really just in the mix of a lot of commotion. But not only is this happening in professional sports, we're seeing it now with Duke. Potential first-round pick Paolo Banquero is facing a DWI charge after an incident that happened two Sundays ago now. What exactly happened in the situation with Paolo Banquero? Well, he was on his way back from a party in Fland. And since alcohol was banned on campus, they had the party there. He wasn't driving, but the car was registered to him, and he was in the back seat. And they were pulled over. Then they got charged. Now he's facing charges of aiding and encouraging a DWI. My question is, what is this going to have on his draft stock? He's a potential first-round pick, first overall pick, playing very well, but... This situation where he's going to be in court, 
and possibly get charges filed against him, it's just it could ruin what he is in for. What was Coach K's reaction to this? I think Coach K really handled this well. And I quote, he said, two different situations, two entirely different situations. Headlines might make it look like it's the same. It's not. The decisions we made are in conjunction with our authorities, my superiors. We are taking action. We took action and we will continue to take action. So it's showing that he's really taken this seriously and that that's a good look, especially since he's in his last season. So this situation could affect their run for a national championship. It very well could. Alright, let's talk about some NBA power ranking reactions. First, let's start off with the number two, Phoenix Suns. They were previously five. They are on a 13-game win streak. I am personally going to the game versus the Cavaliers on Wednesday, so I think that should be a great test for the Cavs, as the Phoenix Suns are probably the hardest team in the league right now. Hottest team in the league, definitely. 13-game win streak. That's crazy. But they have some tough games coming up, including two versus the Warriors, one versus the Nets, and one against the Cavaliers. However, that's perfect because the Cavaliers are struggling as of lately. Yeah, they are, in this power rankings, they are 13th, previously 7th. They have dealt with a good amount of injuries this season. They had, they did not have Jared Allen for a couple games. Sadly, Colin Sexton is out for the season. And then you have Evan Mobley, who's probably going to get Rookie of the Year if he keeps it up, go out for two to four weeks. So they really need him back. But Jared Allen now being back, I think that he can. he's probably one of the biggest people on this team. But Darius Garland is definitely stepping up. He has 18 points per game, 7 assists per game, and 1.3 steals per game. So I think that he can help really lead this team. Let's also talk about House of Lamelo and Terry Rozier with the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, the Charlotte Hornets are 11-8, third in the Southeast Division, which this season has shaped up to be a very competitive division. They're coming off a good win against the Wizards, who have surprised teams. And they have a pretty easy schedule upcoming versus teams like San Antonio, the Spurs, the Orlando Magic, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and Houston Rockets. Now, LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges both playing well this year so far, averaging 20 points per game each. And then LaMelo Ball picking up right where he left off, averaging 8 rebounds a game and 8 assists per game. Let's also talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers, not off to the start they were looking for. 9-9 in a very tough Pacific division. They just snapped a three-game losing streak with a win over the Pistons on Sunday. And in that game, we saw a scuffle between LeBron and Isaiah Stewart, in which LeBron has been suspended one game for the first time in his career. And they are 4-6 and six without LeBron this season. And how about the offseason acquisitions the Lakers made well first off with Russell Westbrook he has not shaped out to the player that the Lakers thought that he would be he has been playing I think poorly he hasn't lived up to the expectations and I think LeBron could use some help from him well I mean stats they don't show that he's playing that poor averaging 28 and 9 but he's only shooting 42 percent from the field and we've seen him take bad shots this season so far all right, let's also talk about do we agree in our opinions on the top five and bottom five in this power rankings. Starting with the top five. 
We have the Warriors, the Suns, the Bulls, the Nets, and the Heat. I agree with that. How about you? I personally agree with it. I think that they got it pretty spot on. I think that the Heat and Wizards, the Wizards being six, the Wizards could move up. They did lose last night, but I think that the Wizards are a team on the rise. Definitely. And how about the bottom five being the Rockets, Pelicans, Magic, Pistons, and Kings? These teams really are in a dead place right now. They are not playing their best basketball, as we can see. I think they need some big improvements, and I think we'll see that in the offseason. But they are all young, so look for them in the future. All right, let's move on to some strange arena and stadium names. Recently, with the Staples Center moving to the Crypto.com Arena. I think this is so silly. I don't know. To me, this is stupid. Yeah, I think it's pretty silly. I think it's the whole marketing gig. I'm pretty sure they paid a lot of money to change it. But we also have the KFC Yum Center. Okay, if you're telling me, hey, I'm going to watch a basketball game at the KFC Yum Center, you're telling me you're going to take me seriously? Luca, what about the dripping pan? Okay, the dripping pan. The dripping pan. You don't even have arena or stadium in there. It's home of Lou's FC an English football club. And then there's the University of Phoenix Stadium. You would think it's the stadium for the University of Phoenix, right? I would think so. Well, I hate to break it to you, but you are wrong. It is the stadium for the Arizona Cardinals, an NFL team. Yeah, I think that should change that because that does not really match that. You just, some of these, you just, you can't get worse. Let's move on to our game matchups and a new thing we have, the t- our top fantasy scorer of the week in our projections. Uh, my game of the week is the Suns versus Nets game. That should be a great one. Suns are on fire on a 13th street. That is on Saturday. My matchup of the week is the Colts run game with Jonathan Taylor, who had five touchdowns last week versus the Bucks run defense. Can Taylor and the Colts keep it up? And then my top fantasy scorer will be Najee Harris. The last time he played the Bengals in week three, he got 28.2 points. Expect another big game from him. I don't think they'll shy away from him. He is a PPR monster with all the catches you get and plug him into your lineup. Those are some good choices from you, but my game of the week is Gonzaga versus UCLA men's college basketball, which is actually happening on the night that we record this. My matchup of the week is the Titans defense, which struggled strangely against Tyrod Taylor in the Houston offense last week, versus Mac Jones in the Patriots offense, which has been electrifying as of the past weeks. And then my top fantasy scorer this week is Jalen Ertz at the Giants defense. Giants defense has been mediocre against QBs this season, and Jalen Ertz coming off a strong week versus the Saints. Yeah, I think that should be a great game. This has been Zach Green, Luca DeLosta, thank you for listening.